Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Hello, everyone. This is Kim Sealing Smith, CSP. I am here with somebody that you guys are going to find very, very fascinating. His name is Alan Parker, OAM. He is, in his words, an eccentric behavioral scientist and professional negotiator. Now, I knew the first and the third about him. I didn't know that he was actually a trained behavioral scientist. So, I'm fascinated to start this conversation. So I'm just going to jump right in. Hello, Alan. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning, Kim. And it's an absolute joy and a pleasure. Oh, thank you. So I've got several questions for you, but as these things do, they might tend to wander around a little bit. Oh, not that. So we'll just we'll just have have a conversation today and have a bit of fun. How does that sound? Yeah, no, it's better that you wander because if you don't, I'll leave you behind. <laughs> Fair enough. That, I take that as a challenge, actually. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, I know that you and I were talking a little bit before we started the podcast, and you said that you speak professionally, but aren't a professional speaker. So can you tell us what that means? What is it that you actually do? Kim, I, I truly am eccentric. Um, I was born with an eye condition that meant I was almost blind and didn't read until I was 30, three, zero. And I was extremely dyslexic, which meant I reversed everything. And I must inform you, and it's not a warning, but almost, I do everything backwards. Hmm. And so all of my work is based on the fact that there's a whole lot of stuff in the world that goes wrong, and it goes wrong because we do things the wrong way. Oh, interesting. And we keep doing them. Now, my simple mind says... If it's not working, do the opposite right. and see what happens. Right. Okay. And I found over 40 years of scientific research that that actually is more reliable than doing human default autopilot. Oh, fascinating. So when you said you speak professionally, yeah. you speak, I know that you are a professional negotiator. Yes. And you said that about 70% of your time now is in negotiation or in crisis conversations. Yeah. And that's as a result of COVID, as I understand it. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about the last two years and, and how that's changed your business? Oh, um, the first bit is I don't actually consider I have a business and I don't run a business. Uh huh. I'm a practitioner. Right. And I happen to get paid yeah. to do that. And I have a bookkeeper who runs whatever the taxation department needs. Yeah. So I do not consider myself a business person, nor am I running a business. I offer a service. Okay. So tell us about that service. And the world is deeply in need of the service of agreement and civility. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it just so happens that we all running around thinking that we've got it all together and telling ourselves we've got it together. And then COVID came along, and lo and behold, 
75, 80, 90% of the world has not done as well under COVID. Right. Because we thought we had it all together, but we had it together because life had been really cushy and easy. Right. I mean, the tough stuff comes along. It's when we know the talent, who the talented people are. It's when we know who the people are who really have got their stuff together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're the people who rise and shine. And at the moment, um, normally, historically, I spend 15, 20% of my life managing crises. Yes. I mean crises. Yeah. Yep. Um, in the last three months, I've had five workplace deaths, one of them a suicide. Wow. Mm. And I go in and I assist those people. And in fact, I assisted one board of directors while they actually had the person still in the room deceased. Mm. That occurred in the first, one person said, we've got to call Parker, he'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. So they called triple zero and then they called me. Mm-hmm. Now, I do that sort of crisis. I manage very large, complex, international, multi-party, multicultural negotiations, mm-hmm. very large scale. Mm-hmm. And I do that. Both of those things take about 20% of my time, 25%. The rest of my time I'm training. Mm-hmm. I speak at about 20 commercial conferences a year as a keynote speaker, but I'm not because mm-hmm. uh, I facilitate a discussion in the room. Right, yes. Yeah. And I spend about 20, do another 20 conferences um, internationally, academically. Mm-hmm. I'm a scientific researcher and I spend about 30% of my life going, so what's all this, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And science work I do is neuroscience, microbehavioral science, and forensic linguistics. Microbehavioral science. Microbehavior. That's fascinating. Kim, I have spent 30 years studying the first response that comes out of your mouth when I finish speaking. Ah, fascinating. And how did you come to that? So you didn't, you didn't learn to read until the age of 30. Tell us about your journey then from the age of 30 to what you do now. Can I jump in? Because I noticed one of your questions was that most Hollywood stars and the metaphoric parallel, I'll let fly, but people have prior professions. Yes. Um, I was relatively bright as a student, but when you can't read, you track your fall behind. Mm. By the time I got to what's now year 11, it was fifth form when I was there. By the time I got to year 11, I had slipped behind and I'm very athletic. I was very successful in a number of sports mm-hmm. and I left school and became a professional sportsman mm-hmm. and a professional golfer. And 10 years later, I thought, I actually quit, and I'm not good at quitting. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I've got to go back. So I went back and I became a student at the local high school and did my matriculation again. At that time, married, and my former wife, a librarian, used to read all of my texts onto audio tapes, and I took up ultramarathon running as my method of study. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yes. And that's how you learned. You listened. Yes. I listened. Yes. My father, interestingly enough, my father got through law school that way. My mother used to read him his law textbooks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very effective way of learning when you can't read or can read very slowly like my father. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Now, you'll also notice, because we're on video, you'll notice that I've got big ears. <laughs> I didn't now, notice, actually. <laughs> what, that, what that does is it means I'm not doing all the work with my visual cortex that the average person's doing reading, and therefore the parietal auditory lobes of my brain that does the listening gets much more refined and stronger and bigger. I see, I see. And at 40 years of age, 45 years of age, I was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking about something they remembered somebody saying. Mm-hmm. And they, they mentioned, they said, as I best I can recall inside my head, I think I heard. Mm-hmm. And I was puzzled by that. And I thought, what a strange comment. How could you think you heard it? Now, at that moment in discussing it with the person, I realized that I actually remembered what you said because I replayed your voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't have photographic memory, but I remember the exact words somebody says. Oh, fascinating. Now, I'm, that means I'm disastrous as an expert witness in a court case. Why is that? Because the barrister says, so, Professor Parker, you said X, Y, and Z, to which I say, um, Your Honour, with absolute respect to your court, uh, the comment that I was just stated to have said is not the statement I said. Right. <laughs> and I would then repeat verbatim. Right, 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 right. question that the barrister had asked. Right, 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 yes. And then I'd restate what I asked. Right, right. They would check the records, and I was always. But it delayed courts. Mm. They, they stopped bringing me in as an expert. so you matriculated from high school yes what did you do then while i matriculate i went back in my matriculation a year and a half before that i'd started doing an external course a degree in naturopathy and i was studying naturopathy so i was doing my naturopathy and my matriculation at the same time i finished my matriculation decided that people got sick because of what they thought Mm. and not what they did. Mm -hmm. And so I embarked on a research degree in psych and I studied personality disorder and psychopathology diagnosis. Right, okay. By which time the naturopathic college had appointed me director of studies of the college. And I was now third-year student running seven colleges around the country. Right. With not a clue. Right, not a cell in my body wanting to be involved in running a business. Right. <laughs> and that's been a pattern in my world. As people think I'm this leader and this entrepreneur, and there's not, I want to interact with human beings so that we care for each other, we consider each other, we are spontaneous. Yeah. But we do not make a comment. Yeah without consideration for what does Kim want at the other side of this equation. Yeah. So how did that lead you? What is the next step then in your journey? Well, I was director of studies. And, oh, gosh. There was a cluster of things that happened that were all pretty and they just happened. I've never had time to set a goal. Um, I started finding myself, I was the director of studies at the college. I used to turn up at seminars and there'd be people, presenters who didn't turn up or lecturers wouldn't turn up. And I kept stepping in. And all of a sudden, I'm an educator. Right. So that's how you started training then. 
Hmm. Yes. So I went off and I did a degree in adult education. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I went to a conference in San Diego. I met Dr. Paul Dennison. Within a week, my reading speed had doubled and my comprehension had tripled. Oh, fantastic. Now, this was the life. This is at some point in your questions that you sent to me, you talked about a turning point. Yes. San Diego University and Dr. Dennison. Right. All of a sudden, I could read. Yes. Yeah. Now, it wasn't good. It was still, I was 150 words a minute. Right. With about 60% comprehension, which is still on the edge of illiterate. And, but for me, it was very exciting. Yes. Yes, it would be. So I came back from the time with Dennison knowing nothing about neuroscience, and I wrote Switch on Your Brain. And I wrote it confidently because I'd experienced it. Right. Yes. I didn't have to know it, and I didn't have to know a lot about neuroscience, but I knew that neuroplasticity was real because I lived it. You had experienced that. I yes. had. I'd gone from not being able to read and terrified at the thought of anybody asking me to read. Oh, right. And, yes. And I'd had 30 years of that. Yes. So I'd become a master of masquerade of capability uh-huh. and hiding this deficiency and fear. Right. So without knowing, I'd had 30 years practicing state control, which meant the minute I got in front of an audience, it was like, okay, I'm here, let's have a chat. Right, yes. And I'm always, well, I used to teach people presentation skills and it fascinated me that they were nervous. Right. I go, you're here to share yourself with somebody else. Yes. Our indulgence is nervousness. Yes. And yet there's this whole plethora of information about presenting that you've got to have a degree of nervousness. And I go, not in this nervous system. Right. Yeah. I just go, I am extraordinarily privileged and deeply, deeply grateful that I'm here to have a conversation with us about how we do better. Yes. That's why, see, I'm not a professional speaker. I'm a member of the Professional Speakers Association. Yes. Now, I'm also a life member of the Australian Dispute Resolution Association, Mm. and I'm not a dispute resolver. And so how did you get into that part of your business? How did Because I really want to spend some time talking about the type of work that you do now. What you see through COVID in terms of, it sounds to me like you feel that COVID shined a torch on us or that it allowed us to shine torches on ourselves to understand that we don't have it all together yes. to, and I'm putting some words in your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong. Now you're paraphrasing and restating me as if it's me talking. It's okay. Okay. Knowing I can have, a, I'll have a break and you keep going. <laughs> I'll keep going. So what I'm hearing you say is that COVID has helped us shine a torch within ourselves and helped us identify that maybe we don't have it all together and really started to reflect and to be introspective. And I think that that has allowed you to be of even greater service to the people that, that are willing to say, okay, I don't have it all together, you know, come in and, and help. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Okay. So talk us through what types of situations you get involved in, because I know at Unconvention, which I'm very excited about your session, you're going to be leading a session 
called Calming Conversations. And I love the subtitle, From Battle Zones to School Zones, Invaluable Insight into the Neuroscience and Biology of Staying Calm in Crisis, Short and Long-Term. And I think that that's something that everybody needs. So talk to us about that work. Kim, in January 2000, I was in an extraordinary situation. I had 111 confirmed bookings in my diary for 2020. Now, I've been booked out six months in advance for the last 30 years, mm-hmm. but I've never had 111 bookings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had 111 bookings in the diary at the beginning of the year. So I was, my diary was nearly clo- getting close to full. Yes. And um, March 14 came, and within eight days, I had two bookings left. Yes. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm going to have time to write the books that I haven't written in the last 10 years. Mm. And so I spoke to the beautiful Robin Henderson, who's the ghostwriter from heaven. Uh-huh. And I said to Robbie, we've got to get some books written. And um, a couple of days later, I spoke to the wonderful Martina Jewell. Yes. And Maddie said to me, AP, I've had, I think she said, 50 bookings cancelled. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, something similar here. And at the end of that conversation, we decided, now you've got to recognise I was anti-anti-virtual learning. Yes. Yeah. I was face-to-face with how human being, you know, it happens. Yes. And we decided that we would produce a virtual platform, a fully professional television station platform, and we would launch a website, and a program called Calming Conversations. Right. Now, today, and in fact, 12 months ago, 18 months ago, we produced Calming Conversations. We got the platform up and we we did our first 12-hour international talkback television chat show. Wow. Uh, Within eight days. Wow. We went live in eight days from the idea. Yes. Now, there's a lesson for the human race. COVID taught us to do things and change quickly. Yes, definitely. Everybody who talks about change management, they have to stop talking about what they did before and talk about how we changed in COVID. Yes. Because we've rewritten change management. Yes, definitely. If we'd have said, let's build a television station, we'd have spent a bloody year and a half doing it. Right, of course. Of course. Yeah. We went live, high production. Yes. In eight hours. Turn the clock forward six months. We were number one on Google, and Harvard Business School was number two if you typed in Calming Conversations. Oh, impressive. Yeah. And so what need did that fill in the market? Who was watching you? Uh, Oh, gosh. There was nobody who wasn't watching, Mm. you know, from a demographic perspective. Mm. Sure, yeah. It was just we had every segment of the well, There were people from all around the world. Right. And... And every segment of the workplace, uh, in a not-for-profits, um, it was incredibly diverse group of people. Right, right. And are you still running it? Uh, the lot, there's, the site is still alive. Right. Um, we are still number one on Google and have not been number one for eighteen months. Right. And um, the interesting thing, within a month of us doing that, and we both agreed that we'd just give. So I contacted all of my key clients. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm available to you free of charge for the next two months. Mm-hmm. And so everybody had me doing work with their people about how to be composed, how to rethink, how to, to do the pivot that they were all talking about. But yeah, everybody was talking about pivot, but very few did. Mm. And so I started doing pro bono work 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And within about two months of the 14th, Clients started ringing me up and saying, we need that with our people. And so I, for the last 18 months, have been full-time and I've done more work um, in the last 18 months than I've done in the last 20 years. Right. So give us an example of the type of work that you do now with your clients. Absolutely anything they ask me to. So I have never, ever had a keynote topic. Mm -hmm. The client says, this is what's going on. I said, talk to me about it. And they do. And then I say, let me talk to 10 or 15 or 20 of your people. Mm -hmm. And they do. Mm -hmm. And I talk to them and they tell me what the needs are. And then I have this very sophisticated interviewing technique, which looks like we're having a chatty conversation. Right. Yes. I am totally 100% scripted. Yes. And all I'm doing is finding out what are the collective needs that everybody will agree to. Right. I'm not ever interested in anybody's, this is what I want us to do, and here's the vision. Right. And so is it to reach a consensus on an outcome? Is that the, the thrust of, no? Reaching consensus means the consensus isn't already there. Right. Okay. I invert the logic. Agreement, Kim, already exists. Right. We have become so obsessed with the argument, the debate, or solving the problem Mm -hmm. instead of going, where do we agree and what can we create together from that agreement? Right. So that is the seed of your work is that we already are in agreement. What can we create? Okay. All right. So the types of clients that you work with, I understand are broad based across the board. So they're executive teams, they're leadership teams, they're schools, they're not-for-profits. Profits. Okay. So I'm doing work at the Northern Cape of Australia. Right. Okay. With the most Northern Indigenous community, looking at creating a community of learners. Excellent. Excellent. So we're looking at redesigning how those 3,000 people live their lives. Right. Fantastic. So give us a little sneak peek in the time no. that we have left. Give us a no. little sneak peek. No. 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 <laughs> That's what traditional education does. We're going to assume that the learner isn't enthusiastic, so we're going to send them out in information to let them know what they're going to find out. And then they come in with an expectation of what they're going to find out, and if they don't get it, they get disappointed, and they fill in an evaluation form. I go, no, don't, I don't do that. I haven't sent a course outline to anybody in 20 years because I talk to them enough that they trust me and go, he does extraordinary things, shocks us, stretches us, plays with us, has fun with us, and it's a good time and it makes a difference. Great. Okay. All right. What kinds of difference would you expect to achieve then within your session at Unconvention? I wouldn't because I haven't got a clue. Right. Okay. I haven't got a clue. See, this human control issue that means I've got to know what's going to happen. Right. Inhibits innovation. Right, right. It uses the likelihood of discovery. And as a neuroscientist, I tell you, the moment you go, there's my goal, 
and you converge to an end point. Uh-huh. Your peripheral vision turns off. Right, yes. The parasympathetic system turns off. Yes. So you're not relaxed and you're not seeing lateral things that are available to you. Right, right. And we miss opportunity yes. instantly. Yes. And it's why I do not, if you haven't seen me before, I don't present on the stage. I go into the audience. Yes. Be part of the audience in a conversation. Yes. I talk, I explore with them. I don't speak to them or at them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's just a very different way of operating. So I would say for those of you who would like to attend Alan's session at Unconvention, come in with an open mind and expect the unexpected. And unconventional. And unconventional. <laughs> Excellent. Alan, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share with our audience today before I let you go? Oh, gosh, that's my favorite question to ask people at the end of an interview. No, I don't think so. I think you've really gone in wonderful places and explored beautifully and and you've picked up the key things that I've said and shone lights on them. Fantastic. No, I just think I'm the only thing is I'm clearly excited. Excellent. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Very much appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you at Unconvention 2022. Me too. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation and follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest.